Hey everyone, welcome to the Horror Geek Podcast from HorrorGeekLife.com. I'm your host, Melissa. Before we really get started, I wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who has been listening to the podcast since we launched a few months ago. We are now into 2022 and I'm really excited for some things that we have in store for both the Horror Geek Podcast and HorrorGeekLife.com. So thank you all for listening, whether you were here the first time or you're a newer listener. I'm really happy to have you and I hope you enjoy the show and stick around throughout the year. And I'm excited to announce a few things in the near future. So this week, I'm going to talk about one of the zaniest movies to ever be made, 1986's Howard the Duck. This is a cult classic that I, probably like many of us, can't help but love, but also wonder how in the world it ever got greenlit and ever got made, because it is insanity. On this episode, I'm going to highlight a few things you may not know about the film. Before we get into that, and before we get into the news, I wanted to share a few things that I've been checking out recently. So during the holidays, especially after Christmas and before New Year's, those days where you don't know what day it is, what year it is, where you are, I had some time. So I finally sat down and watched Succession on HBO Max. Now, drama usually isn't my bag, especially a family drama, but everyone was talking about this show and I finally had to see what it was about. I decided to give it a few episodes, seeing how I like it, and I was completely hooked probably by the middle of the first episode. I ended up watching all three seasons. There are three seasons right now. They're all on HBO Max. The show is currently in between the third and fourth season. So you can see everything that the show has to offer right now. And I don't know what to do with myself now that I've ended with the third season because I was that obsessed. It is definitely as good as everyone says. The hype is real. In addition to being a family drama, there is plenty of humor and plenty of dark humor. So I really enjoyed that. But overall, it is just a perfectly written show. What I really like about it is discovering that the creators don't want the show to go more than five seasons, and it may not even go past four seasons. The reason that I like that is I was kind of thinking as I'm watching that if this show continues into seven, eight seasons, nine seasons, it's going to start getting incredibly repetitious. And also it would have to really go out there with the storylines to keep things interesting. It would have to go the way of Grey's Anatomy where everyone just dies around all the characters or something. So I'm really glad that it is going to know when to end and it's not afraid to do that. So the next thing I want to mention is also on HBO Max, and it's completely the opposite of Succession. It's actually a pop culture documentary called Beanie Mania. I think most of us had a family member, I mean, or maybe it was you, but most of us had a family member who would go to boutique stores and gift shops and everywhere they could try to collect all of these Beanie Babies. It was just such an obsession that took over the nation. I know for me, my mom (laughs) was completely obsessed. She probably still has seven or eight massive totes in her attic right now, just filled to the brim with Beanie Babies. So it was a really fun watch. It was a very lighthearted watch, and it takes a really good look back at just the hysteria that happened. I found it hilarious. I found it fun. And maybe worst of all, best of all, I don't know. I found it really relatable. (laughs) If you're into pop culture and you're into pop culture documentaries, that is definitely one to check out. 
The last thing I want to mention is comic series Philadelphia. Volume 3 is now out. I have mentioned this comic on a previous episode after I finished Volume 1, and it continues the fantastic storytelling from writer Rodney Barnes. It takes the universe that's already established within 1 and 2, and it really expands it in fantastic ways. Although I've been a bit jaded on the vampire subgenre for a few years now, this is a completely original and fresh take that I cannot say enough good things about. If you're into horror comics, I think that Philadelphia is just a must read. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into some news that we've covered here recently on Horror Geek Life. First up is Evil Dead the Game is reuniting the original film's cast. The game is going to use the voices and likenesses of the original stars, which includes Bruce Campbell's Ash, Ellen Sandweiss's Cheryl, and Hal Delrich's Scotty as playable survivors. Betsy Baker's Linda and Teresa Tilly Shelley are also confirmed to make special appearances, and it was previously announced that Ash vs. Evil Dead's Kelly and Pablo, reprised by Dana DeLorenzo and Ray Santiago, are returning. This is a co-op and PvP multiplayer with four survivors, so if you're familiar with Dead by Daylight, Friday 13th the game, you're going to be familiar with this. I don't believe anyone can take on the role as the killer, but you and your friends are a team, you can get together and play as survivors. This is coming next month in February, and it's going to hit the PlayStation 4, the PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series XS, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Speaking of video games, Ernie Hudson says that a new Ghostbusters game is definitely happening. Ernie Hudson was at Celebrity Fan Fest in San Antonio, and he said that another Ghostbusters game is in active development. His actual quote is, I just got an email because we're doing another video game. They're scheduling it now to do the recording, and I'm not too sure who's going to do it. I know me and Danny, Dan Aykroyd, I think. I'm not sure Billy, Bill Murray, will do anything on it. I would actually be completely shocked if Bill Murray had anything to do with a Ghostbusters game. So I would probably not bank on that. I can totally see Dan Aykroyd taking an active role in this, but not so much Bill Murray. If that happens, I will gladly, I guess, eat my words, but we'll see as more developments come out. As a fan of Ghostbusters and as a fan of the recently remastered Ghostbusters video game, I am definitely excited about this. So the last bit of news is a little bit surprising. The 1984 cult classic slasher The Mutilator is getting an official sequel 38 years after the original's release. Not only that, but the original writer and director Buddy Cooper is going to return for this follow-up film. This news comes from Mad Monster, which will host a Mutilator 2 panel with Bud Cooper and sequel star Damian Maffey in attendance next month. So they will be at Mad Monster Party Carolina, February 18th to the 20th, and there are still tickets available if you're interested in attending. In addition to Damian Maffey, who fans may recognize the name from The Strangers 2 and from Haunt, is Terry Kaiser, who played in Friday 13th Part 7, and also he was Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. Also announced on the cast is the Mutilator alumni Ruth Martinez, who played Pam, and Bill Hitchcock, who played Ralph. Now, the reason that part's so surprising is, I'm sorry, spoiler alert for this 38-year-old movie, but Ralph actually dies in the film. (laughs) He dies from horrific injuries. I even rewatched the film after this news broke because I had to make sure it happened as I remembered it, and it indeed does. There is no fixing what happens to him in the film, 
So I'm really curious to see how he returns. We should probably know more casting and plot details after the panel in February. I will definitely check out the panel at Mad Monster and give any updates that they happen to disclose. So as I mentioned in this episode, we are going to talk about the feature film adaptation of Howard the Duck. The film was released in August 1986, and it was directed by Willard Hike, and it was written by Hike and co-written by Gloria Katz. Of course, the film was produced by Lucasfilm, which we're going to talk a little bit more about here in just a second, and it was put out by Universal Pictures. So its budget was between 30 to 37 million and the box office was only 38 million. So it was definitely a flop. And of course, as we all know, it went on to be a cult classic. So Chip Zian was the voice of Howard the Duck in the film. However, Howard was originally going to be voiced by Robin Williams. The arrangement didn't last very long because Robin Williams quit the very first week. Per Chip Zian, Robin Williams stated on day three of the project, I can't do this. It's insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. I'm being handcuffed in order to match the flapping ducks bill. Robin Williams was just not into it. Chip Zian got the official call from his agent saying, Robin Williams just quit and you are now Howard the Duck. So Robin Williams was a master of not only impersonations, but also original voices. And you kind of have to wonder what he would have brought to the project. But I also can't really picture Robin Williams being attached to Howard the Duck. I cannot imagine after its release, this is one that he was very distraught over skipping. (laughs) As much as I love the film, I wouldn't be able to blame him. So, of course, in the film, Howard's companion and awkward lover, (laughs) Beverly Switzler, is played by Leah Thompson, and she melted everyone's heart across the board. She was a lot of people's first crushes, and it's obvious why. She was a total 80s punk rock goddess, and she was the lead singer of the fictional band Cherry Bomb in the movie. Along with her on-screen bandmates, she actually provided her own musical talents. But Leah Thompson wasn't sure if she was actually going to end up on the final soundtrack. She said in an interview, There was always this thing hanging over my head that they might dub me. They weren't really sure about my voice, so I worked really hard on that. I didn't have any vocal training. And the worst thing is that I didn't stand up for myself. I should have done a couple of things in different keys. But thankfully, she did end up on the soundtrack. And I think Cherry Bomb is one of those iconic fictional bands that most of us wanted to be a part of. So in 1987, you wouldn't think that Howard the Duck would make a huge splash during awards season, pun intended. However, they did. Unfortunately for them, it was at the seventh Golden Raspberry Awards. The film got seven nominations that year, including Tim Robbins for Worst Supporting Actor, They also had Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Picture. They won a total of four Razzies for Worst Screenplay, Worst New Star, Worst Visual Effects, and Worst Picture. However, it was tied with Princess Under the Cherry Moon. As I mentioned, the film was a huge box office disappointment, and the president of Universal Pictures, Frank Price, actually resigned. The Los Angeles Times reported in September 1986, produced by George Lucas, Howard reportedly cost the studio more than $45 million, including prints and advertising. 
It performs so poorly at the box office that the studio is no longer even tracking box office numbers. A duck brought price down, said one producer, an innocent, lovable duck. So not only did the film completely underwhelm, but it actually took down the president of Universal Pictures. Of course, George Lucas was not exactly happy to have this on his record, as this was the lowest rated Lucasfilm production to date. So while this innocent, lovable duck definitely went down in a blaze of glory, he definitely didn't go down alone. He took a few with him. There are things that this film could have done a little bit different that perhaps would have changed box office. We don't know for sure, but there could have been. The shenanigans of Howard the Duck was a really tough sell on screen. It took campiness to a whole new level. So maybe that's why Willard Hike and co-writer Gloria Katz, who were also married at the time, thought of the film as an animated project. The live action as it stands already feels like you're watching a wacky cartoon. It's almost like a live action cartoon. So it's really easy to imagine what they would have done with an animated feature. But after Universal Studios made a huge mistake of passing up Star Wars and Indiana Jones, they were drooling over the thought of a big summer blockbuster executive produced by George Lucas. An animated feature was not going to cut it. They wanted live action and live action is what they got. Gloria Katz, who has since passed away, had commented on the debate of animated versus live action. And she said, we had been talking to George about this for about 10 years and anticipating animating it, but it would have taken way too much time and way too much money. So there are a few reasons why Howard the Duck wasn't animated, but you can guarantee that when Universal was bringing on a George Lucas executive produced film, this is not what they had in mind. (laughs) So speaking of it being live action, Howard the Duck had to get brought to life using a variety of techniques. There were actually two actors who took turns inside of the suit, Ed Gale and Jordan Prentice. Jordan Prentice was only 13 at the time of the film's release. So child labor laws ensured that Gale, who later played Chucky in Child's Play, just a fun little side note there, worked really long hours inside of this really insufferable suit. Despite all of that, the actor was not invited to the premiere. Ed Gale said about the experience that I was uninvited to the premiere and asked not to attend. They figured if there's a little person there, he must be Howard the Duck. They wanted to hide the fact that Howard was a little person. I felt it was another way of discrediting me because of the credits. Everyone thinks eight little people played Howard. That's not to say that the puppeteers weren't a part of Howard too, but I was inside the suit. He went on to say that was the only little piece that hurt, but then I realized what Gloria and Willard were aiming for. They wanted audiences to see Howard the Duck the character, not Howard the Duck the little person. And while I'm happy that Ed Gale came to this sense of peace within himself over what happened with the premiere, I think it's still not cool. Personally, but there you go. Many of us saw Howard the Duck at a really impressionable age. And one of the most memorable scenes involves Howard and Beverly in bed. The two start flirting. They get a little bit handsy before, thankfully, getting interrupted. So as you can imagine, not everyone was a fan of the scene. I mean, or a movie in general, but moving on. Over the years, Hayek and Ed Gale have both made comments about people being offended. 
Hike said, obviously, we thought that scene was funny. The idea that she might actually go to bed with a duck. I'm always surprised how people who become offended by things that are pretty silly. But Gail had a stronger reaction, saying, I cannot believe how many idiots watched the movie with both eyes open and complained. They did not have sex. He went on to say, 30 years later, ask everyone who mentions, when did they have sex? Why do you have to make this stuff up in your own heads? But I'm also going to note that that scene was edited for its release in England. I can honestly say that I believe it is still a very cringeworthy scene. Whether or not actual sex ever took place, it still is. (laughs) The last thing I'm going to mention is that many people don't remember there was actually a video game tie-in released in 1986 via Activision. Now, back then in the 80s, everything had a video game tie-in. Probably 98% of these video game tie-in for these movies, they were extremely rushed and they were extremely awful. Howard the Duck is no exception. (laughs) In the game, Howard has a much different location than Cleveland, Ohio. You actually take on the role as Howard as he ventures through Volcano Island to save his friends. The Tropical Paradise is inspired by the original film idea for the duck to be working as a private eye while living in Hawaii. And I just have to say, I still want that movie. I would love to see Howard the Duck Private Eye. The film studio shot down this idea of him being a private eye in Hawaii, but Activision embraced it. Unfortunately, though, the fun location, the new position as a PI, it was not enough to make players and critics happy. It was actually a very frustrating game. And I encourage you, if you've never played it or haven't seen footage of it, to go look on YouTube because it is just mind boggling. So there's a few fun things about Howard the Duck that maybe you did or didn't know already. But this is always a fun one to go back and revisit. It has definitely not aged well. But that's kind of part of the charm of it, I think so. Thank you all for joining me for the very first episode of 2022 of the Horror Geek Podcast. And we will be back next week with another cult classic, that one being Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So please be sure to join us for that one. So if you enjoy the show, please be sure to follow, subscribe, and connect with us on social media. I'm at Horror Geek Mel on Instagram, and we are at Horror Geek Life everywhere else. Until next week. Thank <laughs> you.